TogiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or even more. I give you the opportunity to go look at their hotel fees and take advantage of their cost savings. Please go to www.bestradiotravel.com. Check them out. I think you'll be pleased. Welcome to Second Win with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. It's so good to be here. I have had such an energy-filled weekend. You know, last time, last week, we were talking about um, vision boards. And for some reason, this January, I have been full of opportunities to share how to make a vision board, why you would want a vision board to be made, and also just to inspire and and touch so many different lives. I did new things, like I did a webinar on how to do it in a mastermind, in a, a small group that was a new first time for me. But then last Saturday, I did a vision board training um, in person and that was a great experience because when you're in it in an experience like that you have more time we were there four to five hours together and we it, it allows everybody to use their creative senses so you get vision boards not the poster board size vision board you that's not what you're using as a your holder for your uh, vision, but people cut them out. They make one girl even made a tree out of her vision board. So anyway, remember, so if you're new, if you're freshly joining us today, a vision board is a board that we sometimes you could think of. You use a poster board or something like that upon which you are going to attach Images, words, and phrases, motivational phrases that have the visions that you want to come true for 2020. So let's say it's that you want to fall in love. So you would have, you would find an image that you would cut out, put on this poster board that's you're holding a, a lover in your arms and you're smiling and you can feel the excitement of those two people's lives, which you would be one of them. If you're a girl or a boy, you would be the man. So anyway, it's about creating a vision in the end results that you want your life to be. Once you create the board, 
Then you put it in a prominent space in your home and you revisit those desires that you want that you have pictured on this board and you revisit it every day or so so that you can feel the emotion of the woman that's holding her new love, of the woman driving her new car, of the woman living in a new house or living in a new job. So anyway, the vision board is so powerful that it can make, can bring, can attract into your life those things that will help your vision to become true. So I still have another experience with the vision board, which I'll be doing to a, a auditorium full of sixth grade Women, it's a young empowerment, um, training by our junior league here. And I'm going to train about 125 sixth graders in every session about making their first vision board. Now, yes, it's going to start out as baby steps, but just imagine the power and the idea that it could give to a sixth grader. I called a friend of mine who is an educator and and has taught sixth graders several times in her life. And she said, Joyce, they just want to know they're pretty and they're loved and they're special. Wouldn't we all like to know that? Even at six, in the sixth grade, there's some of us that are still waiting for that, right? So anyway... That's what's been going on with me. But if you're interested in doing a vision board to create your 2020, leave me a message at Joyce at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com and let's see if we can't make that happen for you because I think it's really, really powerful to create the year that you want to live and the life you want to live. So I'm right in line with uh, my topic of vision boards with our guest today. My guest is an amazing woman. Um, I loved her, her questionnaire that she filled out for us. It was full of motivation. It was full of, uh, frustrations in her life, hard times in her life, which she magically turned around. And so we're going to get to hear about that today. Her name is Bilkis Clark, and she is a transformational spiritual life coach. She's a motivational teacher and speaker and an author as well. Now, she was born on a tiny island in the Caribbean called St. Kitts, K-I-T-T-S. And is since then, She's lived on several of those Caribbean islands. You might even notice she has a slight accent. (laughs) But she is now married and has a daughter, and she has moved to Texas only about three years ago. Now, she puts her family very, very high on her list. It is of prime importance to her, not only her children, her immediate family, but her mother has been credited with the, her development of her faith and has taught her so much of spiritual wisdom, particularly when she went through a divorce earlier in her life. 
So today she is married to her extraordinary man, as she puts it. Isn't that exciting? Girls, see, there is another phase to your life if you have a, a marriage that's ended. And now she has a daughter as well. She loves karate, volunteers with the Red Cross, and operates several youth groups. She loves working out, spending time on the floor with her daughter, and intimate dinners with her husband. I love that. Now, she has experienced sexual abuse, incest, rape, physical and emotional abuse, depression, disconnect, self-hatred, and suicide attempts, which she writes about in her book. So we'll want to know about that book. If you've experienced the trauma that some of the trauma that not all of us experience, but they are just painful memories, then you want to re- you want to connect with my fabulous guest today, Belkis. So anyway, I welcome you, Belkis. I could keep on reading. There's so much that you're doing. It's sort of like I get exhausted just all the power and energy that you have. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, I listen to it and I go like, gosh, is there a way I can get this compressed? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all we just we live our first part of our life and then we get this this second surge or what I call second wind haha the show and and we just get so much energy and you have indeed done that through the early beginnings of your life were uh, were difficult i mean you experienced something that Many women do experience, and that is abuse and early, um, just mean stuff, <laughs> you know, going on in your life, uh, that no seven year olds should experience that. So how was it that you were able to, um, move through that? I mean, you, you shared with me it took about four or five years that you were, living that or experiencing that abuse. Um, and then you had somebody that sort of was, I would say, sent to, to help you move forward. Right? Um, yes, ma'am. I, it, it, it has been quite a road. Let me say that. <laughs> I would like to, I would like to tell people that, um, oh, it was magical and it was just all mysterious. And the truth is now, um, people tell me I should never tell people, oh, it's a lot of work or people don't want to do the work. But yeah. I believe in being honest because that's how I honor people is by letting, you know, it, some people move through things quickly. Some people take longer, but either way mm-hmm. it takes work. And yeah, I had all of it broke. I mean, having to live with that and live in the silence, um, as a child into my teenage years, it was really horrific and mm-hmm. it was challenging. But when I hit into high, when I hit high school, my grades started dropping, and mm-hmm. we had a principal at that high school who, even though it was one of the bigger high schools, who really knew the students. He was always walking the corridors. He would sit in classrooms sometimes, just listening in. He would talk mm-hmm. to students. He knew their parents. He would be in the cafeteria, always interacting, always knowing what was happening. And what I didn't know was that. 
he had a thing. He didn't just sign off on grades and the end of term uh, marks and the, the exam marks. He did yeah. analysis, so he saw patterns. And mm-hmm. so when I started failing first semester, the first term, then the second one, and by the time he got to the third one, he's like, okay, hold up, something is going on here. And yeah. he had approached me on the first term because he's like, you're a brilliant child. Why are you failing? Yeah. And I gave, I don't know what answer, I mumbled off in typical teenage fashion. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. by the second term, he was like, okay, I can give you one more chance, but we got to do something about these grades. But by the third one, he said, uh-uh, we got to do something. And I just happened to blurt out to him what I'd been experiencing and that's where the whole process for getting help and um, started. Yeah. yeah. Joyce, it was not easy. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I learned to tell right. these counselors just what they needed to hear, so they would leave me alone. Yes. Oh, yeah. We so do that. <laughs> yes, it was we do tough, that. But it did get to a place where I wanted something different. And I realized if I want different, then I would have to do something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, was your faith pretty strong at that time in your life? Or I know your mother was very involved in your life, and she had a strong faith. But was that? Did you experience that during during that time, or or did you really grow after you started healing? My faith did play a part in my healing. As a matter of fact, though, it was not consistent. It was back and forth because I was angry. I was bitter. And then I was in need. So here I am sometimes going like, well, where are you if you're so in charge of the whole world? Why are you letting all this happen to me? You know, that was my attitude at some point. And then there were other points when I was like, please make it go away. Tell me what I need to do. Show me what I should do. Just please help me. Anything I'm willing. You know, so it was back and forth. Yes. (laughs) And I don't think that sounds a little bit off, but (laughs) it was back and forth in my face. But there was an underlying consistent belief that I know you can help me. So please Mm -hmm. show me what I need to do. And, and, and show up for me. And eventually, apparently, when I look back on it, that whole 2020 vision, hindsight is 2020 vision thing, really mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. some truth to it. When I look back, it is putting people like that particular principle in my path yeah. to pay yes. attention, to, to make a little bit of noise. That, that, was, uh, that was God's way for me of showing up. Sometimes mm-hmm. we think maybe some mystical, supernatural thing would happen, and sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is positioning you in places, positioning you with people, connecting you to people, connecting you to resources. All of these are little whispers that come that says, I love you, and I want you to do well, and I'm here to help you. Yeah. That's that's right there. Is Okay, we can just end for today. <laughs> It's powerful enough. That's right. Now, you know, I really applaud, and we need so many of these people, even more today than we did in years past. We need those teachers, and I know they're out there. I'm not saying they're not. But what a a gift to have a principal that was so involved 
and with his students. You know, he really took it on as this is my job is to protect these children. So, all right. So we, I'm going to go fast forward and I only do that because you have such a long sheet of fascinating information, um, that we need to share. So in your late twenties, I'm going to say you experienced a, a divorce. Yes. And you've been married, um, and you experienced a divorce. And so what, okay. When you got married, and I, mm-hmm. and I know this from other people that I've talked with that when you got married and you've had a background that's struggled, had so many sadness and sorrows in it, sometimes we get married looking for different things than we really think mm-hmm. because that's all we know. We, yeah. we only know we want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to. So how, what was your journey in getting married? And then it's like, Oh no, it didn't work or it was the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. The wrong one. That is them one way of putting it. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, when I decided to get married, I was about 24, 25 years old. One, I was looking to escape what I'd been through. And I felt so rejected. I felt like no one could love me because I felt like I was damaged goods. And that all the, between the suicidal attempts and the depression, I couldn't find something good in me. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted someone, I I felt like if someone could marry me and love me, that it meant that I was valuable, that regardless of what happened to me, that Mm -hmm. I was worth I was still worth loving and I was worthy and I could be enough for someone, not just to be misused. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for my person who beneath the damage, under all the cracks, under the mess, could really still say, I see something good in you and it's worth loving. And that, you know, to help, I guess it was a way of helping me to find myself value was validation in someone else you know, from someone else. And so, yeah, I was with this guy and I got married and um, we've got to, we have a way of attracting just what we are running away from. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. All the, the body language, the silent messages we are sending that we are not, that subconscious, all the the energy we are putting out that is subconscious because it is all that we know. And we have a way of being what we know. And mm-hmm. so abuse is what you know, and low self-confidence is what you know, and misuse is what you know, and brokenness is what you know. Even when you switch people thinking that you're switching the situation, yes. even though when you say, yes, I want better, mm-hmm. you are counterproductive based on the energy you're putting out, the action, the subliminal messages that you're sending, the, the body language that you have. All of that is counteracting what your words are saying. Because somewhere in you, the words that you're saying and what you really feel about yourself, they're not congruent. It's not a similar message. And therefore, people are reading your silent vibes, your silent Mm -hmm. messages, your nonverbal communications more than they're really hearing your words. And I'm sorry, people who are perpetrators, abusers, they seem to, it's like 
When a shark smells blood in the water, there's no brokenness, and they go in for the kill. Mm-hmm. And how do I know that, Joy? <laughs> I have tested this a number of times. Let me put up on Facebook a public post about sexual abuse, and I can guarantee you within the hour I have five messages in my inbox from men. Usually, because these men see brokenness and they, they see cracks, and so they come swarming in thinking that, yes, I can get this one. She's been broken. She could, she would be with me. And they, in turn, tend to bring more hurt a lot of the time than mm. someone who is more um, upstanding. There's no, that's not science. That's just Belkis who, mm-hmm. who have seen a pattern over the years. They are right. like They see yeah. prey. Mm-hmm. They go in. And I don't know if they realize that's what they're doing, but it's what I've noticed. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I was looking for my person to validate me, to, help, to let yes. me know, remind me that I was worth something and worthy of love. <laughs> let me ask you this, Belkis. Do you have? Do you all listen as little girls? Did you ever listen to Cinderella, the movie, yes, the story, oh, the book about God. Cinderella? Cause did I? I yeah, was, did you? Oh, I read avidly. The fairy tales, the romance. Oh my yes. goodness! <laughs> I, I think I they like, brainwash little girls. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful thought, but mm-hmm. I never really. I mean, I used to listen to it over and over and over in my room, thinking that you know, that one day I'm going to meet this man. And you know, even though I lived in in a house that um, dad was really no prince but he was okay you know but (laughs) we just have this fantasy and I think so much of us grow up with that fantasy that we try to think that we think that marriage is going to be and so what a shock when we get in and find it's not and we've attracted it could be I'm not going to say it's not but it's not always 100% sure thing that it's going to be a prince that you marry. I think what happens a lot of the times with the fairy tales is that they really don't tell you if the princess met anybody else before that who was horrible. So they don't <laughs> tell you um, in getting to your happily ever after that first uh-huh. the princess had to be to know who she is and the prince knew who he is and they brought that knowingness together to create a space for growth. I mean... I mean, who wants to sit down and read that the princess had to do her self-development and stuff? People don't want it. People <laughs> want to hear only. They don't want to hear the princess had a vision board that they want to, you know, have a vision board of what her prince would be like. And that, yeah. you know, it's like, that, that's not the fun part of it. But the thing is, the thing is, Joyce, it is the real part of it. It is what gets you to your type of ha- happily ever after. Everyone's yeah. happily ever after don't look the same, and that's the problem as humans. When we try uh-huh. to create a particular like blueprint that's supposed to fit everybody, it right. does not work, and then we end up with a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt and a lot of unrealistic expectations. You can have your fairy tale. It just does not look like Cinderella's. Yes, true. <laughs> but we go through that first one thinking it's going to be Cinderella. Now, you just, you talk about how your divorce was for you a defining moment, as I think it is for many women. Uh, but how did your divorce impact you? 
oh, wow. I thought that when I was broken, like, you're broken, you can't be broken anymore. But, boy, was that a lie in and of itself. Little mm-hmm. did I know, when you're broken, you can be crushed and grinded to dust. And mm. then, when it's dust, that dust can be blown many different ways on the winds that come around. That yeah. is what I felt like after divorce. It was really a crushing moment. It was, I was on an island, and I didn't have much, I didn't have any family there. Um, there were a few people that I know just slightly, but yeah. small island, small mentality, the gossip was horrendous. It was a painful um, moment, but like I said, it was also a really defining moment for me because I got to the place where I was so low. I figured there's no way down to go. It meant there was one way left up. And I said I had a choice to make. I remember being on my floor. Mm. I sat down on my floor. I had pills in one hand and a bottle of wine in the other hand. Well, as a matter of fact, I locked the pills and locked the wine. <laughs> and I sat there on the floor. Yeah. And I'd written a note already. And a friend of mine came by, um, you know, um, he did this thing where he, he, he told people about a health program and books and stuff, you know, and he would go to yes. the door and talk to people about it. And he passed. I saw the wind, the, the, the curtain, because I'm sitting in my living room and the curtain blows in the wind. And he passed by. Um, but then I saw him. And then I, I, a minute later, I'm there on the floor with the, the bottle of pills, the handful with pills and the bottle open. And then there's a knock at my door. Oh. And here he is, and he's like, sis, can I really, because we got along really well. So he's like, sis, can I use your bathroom? And then he stopped. Hmm. He said, um, he threw back the curtain because he was a proper gentleman, and he's like, he, he don't want to be in my house. And people think, oh, here he is a male in her house, and it's just her there. So he opened yeah. up the door so that we, he's right at the door where he could be seen. And then he said, I'm going to come back to talk about what you've got in your hand. But right now, I need to use your bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) He used the bathroom. And he said it's strange because he he left it just like a minute from where I was. And he said he had just used the bathroom. But when he, as he approached my house, he just felt this pressing need to go again. Yeah. And he tried to talk to go to another gentleman's house but then had to double back because it was too far away. And yeah. that, you know, so that was one of the moments that I know I'd hit rock bottom. Yeah. And the, yeah. I remember after he had stayed there with me, he emptied every bottle, I mean, hundreds of dollars of bottles of wine. He had yeah. every single one down the drain, and he took all the pills we could find in my house with him. Yep. I'm going to stop you here because I know this is going to go on and we need to take a break. Oh, I am no so problem. sorry to do this because you're right. And I want to know what he did. So we've got the pills and we got the wine out the door. So we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to hear the, your story of discovery or recovery. So we will be okay, back no shortly to hear Belka share with us about her journey. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? 
Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. TokiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-I-C-E. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Thanks for returning. Now, if you remember, Belkis was just getting into um, her moment of save, being saved by a friend that had uh, knocked on her door, and she was holding in her hand as she lay on the floor pills and wine to take her life. So, Belkis, tell us about this friend that came by. Okay, good, definitely. Yeah, so he came and he sat down and he talked to me for hours. But one of the things that I always remember in that moment, I mean, he did empty every bottle of wine. Um, hundreds of dollars of wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and he took all the pills he found and he made me promise. He said, he told me, because I had a radio program at that point. I was, um, I did journalism for 12 years, but I also did a devotional program in the morning. And he said he tuned in every morning. He said, oh. what you don't know is that he, there were many times he was in despair. And it is my motivation and encouragement that got him up. So he ah. literally took my hand and he said, this is you rising from the darkness you're in, from the 
pit from where you're at on this floor. He took my hand, lifted me up on the floor, and then hugged me and let me cry the tears out, cry the frustration out, cry it all out. He said, and then know that you can, because darkness won't last forever. Mm, powerful. So and, powerful. Uh, it, it, it's as if something in me just sparked a little. I had all the doubts, all the apprehension, still the hurt there, but there was that little spark wonder of what if. What <laughs> if I did something differently? What if there's more to me than this? What uh-huh. if? Joyce, it was the beginning of how much resilience I knew that, that I, I didn't know I had that much resilience. I really, really? didn't know. Yeah, and it became pivotal for me. I had always wanted to go back to school. I was almost 30. And I mm. sat, and I went online and I just blindly filled in the application for going to university. Ah. And I did not know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know anything. But sometimes in the midst of not knowing, there are desires we've got deep down that we need to revisit and we just got to make a move. We don't need to yeah. know how all the chips are going to lay out. We have got to make a move. So, I mean, resilience is about getting through the pain and the disappointment without letting it crush your spirit. And I felt crushed, and I felt like I couldn't be crushed anymore. So you know what I did? I found the little things that I could do. I could fill in an application. Mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. read, whether it's a paragraph or two of something uplifting. I started to journal like it was nobody's business, trying to figure out what it is about me that I like and what it is I don't like and how can I change what I don't like, what it is that I really dream of. And I took many, many months to figure all of this out. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, I got accepted to university. <laughs> and I decided, um, oh, my goodness, I deferred from the September to the January and I put it before a, a, an uncle of mine, and he paid my ticket. I'm telling you, I ain't got a buck in my pocket. I didn't have money for the plane ticket. <laughs> where did you? Where were you going for university? You know, I, I had applied to Canada. I'd applied to the U.S. and applied to Trinidad and Tobago and other places in the Caribbean. But the one in Trinidad and Tobago, that acceptance came first. Oh, okay. The others followed, but I went with the first one that came because sometimes in being resilient in being fighting. We got to learn to fight for ourselves and fight for our dreams. When the world and everybody else and our experiences threaten to take everything from you, sometimes you don't know you're worth it. You just got to hope that you are and make your first step. Mm. That's what I did. I, made I love that. Step. And that first step, that developing that persistence to do is like after loss and after hurt and after pain to make my first step. That was like became foundational for every success that I came, that I faced afterwards. Because then if I could get through one thing, then another bad thing come, I could get through that as well. I think it's interesting that you chose going back to college. I mean, there's a, lots of things you could have chosen, but mm-hmm. you knew you were a smart girl, right? Yeah. yeah. I've heard it all Did my you, life from my teachers. Yes. So you knew that and you wanted to believe it. I, I just think it's interesting you chose college. I mean, I think it's a great thing you chose college, but I just think that's interesting that you chose college. Because yeah, down deep, you knew you were good in school, and you and could make it. 
money. And that is what a lot of the times when I work with women, I'm like, this is what we need to go back to. I think of me, I chose something that I was good at. Yes, 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 yes. And like that it. is what's necessary, Joy. Mm. What are you good at? I don't care how simple it seems. I'm good at academics. And I chose a degree that I know I could excel at. I'm good at it. I was good at stories and soul and English was one of my strongest subjects. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I'm going to go get a degree in English and a minor in communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I liked people and I like to teach and I like youth. So I figured I could teach. Mm-hmm. We've got to find the thing that we are good at because it will be the thing that saves us. Yes, I love that. Build the resilience we want. And then once I got to school, as a matter of fact, it turned out, and this is something that I need for some people to understand sometimes. You don't know all the pictures. I had what people would call a fairy tale kind of experience with this. This is a girl who grew up in poverty, who had nothing, who parents could not afford to send her out to study, though they wanted to put food on the table. Sometimes we did not know where it was coming from. It was tough. My parents tried their best, and my grandmother worked hard for us. Mm -hmm. But here I was wanting more, and they're not sure, but my mom supported me anyhow. Faith, she said. Have faith. Trust. So I did the biggest thing I know how and took a step of faith. No money. I'm going to go study. Somebody want to say something? <laughs> and that family friend yeah. of ours came and said, you know, um, this was a businessman. He said, um, you got so much potential. People were always telling me that. He said, you got so much potential, so I'm going to pay for you to go to school. I was like, what do you want? Uh, yeah, I right. Oh, I was so, he said, when you're done, pay it forward. That oh, man kept so cool. his word joy. He paid for four years of school. And he he paid for four years of school. He paid insurance. He paid for me to stay in the dorms. He, his food was... I, there were times it got tight because then I had to find... No, food I had to find and other things I had to find. But the major stuff were covered. And so it got mm. tight at times, but... Besides resilience, I want to, I want people to understand the art of developing tenacity. Resilience is an art. Tenacity is an art. Tenacity is your stick to itness. It, when it's good, you're sticking to it because there's something on the other side for you. There were times when I was hungry on that campus. There were times when I didn't feel well, but I didn't have enough money to go to the doctor. And so I depended on a lot of the bush medicine that my grand, that I knew my grandmother talked about. Uh, and, it, uh, and, it, yeah. and I pushed through and it turned out I wanted to make the best of the opportunity when you get to your second win in life, your second act or even if it's, it's your third, fourth, fifth but this is the moment where you are like I want something better I've had enough of the brokenness enough of the pain, enough of the hurt there has to be something better you want to make sure that you stick to it so you give yourself the best best chance right. Of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And so I did every assignment as if it was my last assignment. Every lecture as if no other lecture, um, lecture existed in the world. And graduated valedictorian, the top of the class. <gasps> oh, fabulous! 
Yes, ma'am. That's Resilience. awesome. And through it, I cried with many tears at the regret that the relationship was over and the dreams I had was over. But you know what I did? I pushed on tenacity. I want something else. So I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where, that is where it came to. We've got to learn the art of being resilient, of bouncing back, of knowing that those things knock us down and we may feel broken within us. We've got the power and the potential to take those pieces and put them together, crooked though they may be, into something absolutely beautiful where we don't just survive, but we really thrive. And if you don't have resilience, and you don't have tenacity, it's not happening. Because these are foundational to overcoming. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. And overcoming don't just mean you live with bitterness, Joyce. Are we yes. living the memories? When you overcome, the memories are there, but they don't hold you in that negative dark space anymore. Yeah. That is when you know you've truly overcome. Right. So when did you, I mean, you were already on your purpose, didn't you feel, or not? Did you still have some work to do there? At that point, I don't know if I was feeling I was on my purpose. I just felt like somehow things were starting to align. It was not till I was finished with my degree, and then I got a master's, because I graduated valedictorian, I got a full ride into doing my master's. Um, full scholarship into doing my master's. So I did that. And then um, by then I'd met um, my husband. And actually I ran away from this dude because I didn't know what he wanted. And I was having money. <laughs> 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 was like, you ran away that. from your potential husband? Yeah, don't we often run away from the better things that are coming into our <laughs> life because we're scared because that is the past returning <laughs> yes yes yeah. oh i yes we run away that, because we're scared yeah yeah we're scared we're of being scared. hurt i was scared and i'm not making no joke about it and i had to learn to stop and assess i had to learn to assess whether what was before me was similar to what had gone already i had to figure out dig deep into understanding what i needed how to recognize what I need or what I want and to realize if the opportunity before me in any way satisfied them or it was just a mask that was there and I was again about to step into the negatives. I'd learned a lot by then about one, how to recognize behaviors of abusers and stuff like that, which I love to teach women because, hello. <laughs> yeah, yes. But, you know, by then you had had so much, I know your energy level, which I like to talk about, had risen because of all Mm -hmm. the success you'd had from being valedictorian, getting your master's scholarship. That that has to have raised your vibration so that you were attracting a a man that was at the same energy level, whole, healthy Things like yes. that. Right? Yes, ma'am. Exactly. And, you know, you made a statement earlier saying, I'll get back to the energy and who you're attracting. But you made a statement that said if I was already on my, pur- my path of purpose. Yes, I was. Because mm-hmm. I already, I, had, I was running successful youth groups and I was teaching and I was a part of national youth organizations and traveling on their behalf and really empowering oh. people. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, but I didn't know then. I thought I was just doing something I liked. 
let alone yeah. know how what we like and purpose are usually uh-huh. one and the same thing. Uh-huh. It is. It's usually one and the same thing. So you're right about that. That I had already, I was doing this thing that it was the one thing in the darkness of an abusive husband and a relationship with an abusive husband that was, uh, was my light. Was when I get into a room with these youngsters to the youth group, <laughs> or I was volunteering at um, shelters for battered women. These were mm-hmm. the lights in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know then that that's what I'd be doing with the rest of my life. Right. But, yeah. yeah, so by the time that I got to valedictorian and I got to it, you know, the thing with success in something that we know, especially you know you're good at this, the thing with success is that it breeds self-confidence because mm. resilience, I believe, self-confidence is keeping your word to yourself. And I said, uh-huh. I to get my degree. And so I kept my words to myself and realized, oh my goodness, I succeeded and did really well. So all of a sudden I started thinking, what else can I keep my word to myself about? But I had (laughs) to know what were the words that I I had for myself? You know, how do I take care of me? And that's another thing that I got to. So here I am pushing for, that was all about what's my purpose? What do I do with my life? How do I continue? How do I give that? And then I realized something, Joyce. I had to take care of me, but taking care of me, I realized wasn't just about every now and again getting a massage. It meant I needed the kind of relationships in my life that facilitated the type of life I did not want to escape from. Ah, I love the way you put that. Yeah, Yeah, nice. The best way I could take care of me, create Mm -hmm. the kind of life I do not want to escape from. And that would create the type of friendships and relationships I did not want to escape from. And so, yes, when this young man came, I was already exhibiting more knowledge, more self-confidence, more know-how, based on the work for purpose that I've been doing and the successes that I saw myself achieving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one success yeah. gave me confidence. The thing is, with, when you, have, you lack self-confidence, is that you sabotage without even knowing you're sabotaging. But you've been at something, and all of a sudden, you figure you could win at everything. <laughs> yes. 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 He came in. No prince, trust me. He was no point um, like they picked him. As a matter of fact, my husband grew up as a pig farmer. So Prince, pig farmer, mm, mm. <laughs> Not quite the shining riding, save me, white horse, all that kind of thing. Maybe why it took right. up karate to Joy. I don't want nobody fight for me. Let's battle together, side by side, back to back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Wendy, this, the self-worth, I really, are you, you're talking about self-worth. You created your self-worth. You, you made, you, you created it, but you also learned the value of it when you started taking care of yourself, taking responsibility for yourself. Yes, I did. I had to take responsibility one for what I, what had happened. Mm-hmm. The thing is, there are people out there who are going to do evil things, bad things, gr- crazy things are going to happen to us. That's the dynamics of the world we live in. 
But I realized that how I dealt with it, I, I take responsibility for that. And mm. so some of it wasn't nice. I didn't like the fact that I'd had all these other broken relationships because I dealt with making careless decisions. I had to own it. Yes. And it right. comes a place where you've got to take responsibility. And But in taking responsibility, because I realized I was worth more, people might, men might have misused me, but in me, I believe there was more. So if I believe it, then I've got to live it. And I've got to say no to other people who do not support it. Mm-hmm. And that is how I started strengthening my self-worth and my self-value, that foundation for it. By knowing first, you've got to know what's good in you. And it's yes. not what other people tell you are good. It's, it's what you know that you know that you know. If you're in a relationship and it's makes you feel like crap, then you don't, and you, you're feeling like crap because your truth, your innate truth is telling you that this is not good for you. This is not right. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So between your self-worth, your self-worth leads you to knowing the truth of who you are. And that truth is that part of, that part of you that when somebody says something to you, it's like it gets offended, it gets, it rejects it. But sometimes we ignore that true path because we want to be that, that truth of who we are because we want to be accepted and we want to be loved and we're scared to be alone. And we think about, oh, but I've joined this household and the bills. How am I going to do it on my own? And what about the kids? And we make up a million reasons to stay in our brokenness. But your self-worth is telling you, take responsibility for the actions that you have accepted this, but also take responsibility that you can change it. And your self-worth is saying to change it. And your truth is telling you, I have been rejecting it for so long because you can do better. You deserve better. So that is why we feel at war with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. just, I'm just loving this. I'm just, I mean, you're just going. I just love it. Because all of what you say is so true. And we just, we, I don't know where we started this road, but we relinquish so much of ourselves. I get, you know, for maybe we've seen it modeled or maybe we've, we've just, it was easier that way. Mm-hmm. And we just allow ourselves to get into these situations where we don't take responsibility. It's almost like we can. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. You know, for us to take responsibility yeah. for ourselves, we, we question it because we haven't seen it in past ask. models. Yeah, you don't need to ask permission. Right. Yeah, I want you to tell us about, tell us how people can get in touch with you. If you've touched somebody's heart today with the need to of their own sorrow or really they're wanting transformation and you really spoke it to their heart. I'd like for you to be able, I'd like for them to get to you. So how would they uh, get to you? And you might want to refer to the offer that you've put together as well. Oh, definitely. Um, well, so here is the thing. There are two ways that people can get to me. I know this thing gives people one way, but some people prefer email and some people prefer telephone. Yeah. So, they can email me at info at belkisclass.com. That's I-N-F-O, symbol at B-E-L-K-I-S-C-L-A-R-K-E.com. Or give me a call at 
3619-0513. And they mentioned that where they heard me on your show, and I have got a break from clarity session that runs for half an hour that I'd love to sit and talk with you, with, talk with you help you get some clarity on where you're going, filter through some of the, the noise around you, and help you set you on a path that uh, could be very meaningful, you know, way master the different yeah. areas of your life. Yeah. You could also go to her website, uh, yeah. Belkis. That's such a pretty name. B-E-L-K-I-S-C-L-A-R-K dot com. And there you can see all that Belkis offers. She offers so much. There's training, there's workshops, there's courses. Um, and you've even written a book, but you're working on another book. Yes, ma'am. I've written a book called Girl, You're Overthinking It. <laughs> <laughs> what? Say what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know you're overthinking it. Should I go? Yes, you should. That's why you're thinking it. No, but then you come up with a million reasons why I shouldn't move, why I can't do this, why I shouldn't. Maybe I don't. You're yes. overthinking it. How to break those negative thoughts and jumpstart yourself into a new way of thinking. That's mm. what you mean. So, yeah, I wrote that. But my story, my story, the many mm. trials and tribulations and how I overcame the principles, the lessons, and tips and strategies, that one I'm working on this year hope to be released at near the end of the year. So that is something to look forward to. And it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah, that's major. I mean, a number one book sounds like it would be really a good, almost like workbook or a tool. Yeah. You know, how, how are you going to do this, girl? I assume you have some exercises in there in the first book. Or is it more about how to? And, in my book that I'm now writing, that's the one you're referring to? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, first, the, it comes with two parts in terms of for the persons who just want to hear the story unfold and the lessons I learned, that would yeah. be packaged by itself. Then, yes, it comes with a workbook where I then break down uh, the principles and the lessons. There will be exercises. There would be insights. Yeah. But it is kept in such a way that you're not telling people what to to get to the end result, it is their exercise targeted to make you face the certain things about your trauma and your bad experiences, the negative experiences, and then it gives tips, insights, provocative thoughts, lessons, um, and the exercises that would then help to provoke them. A lot of it is if it's going to act as a trigger, it is good that you work along with if you're in therapy or have a coach. And yeah. I, I'll be using it with persons that I do one-on-one coaching with, yeah. some of the principles and some of the, um, and in the group coaching as well for those who are brave enough and courageous enough to want to share, you know, share in yeah. a support system. Yes, um, so I would be using it, but some things can trigger and that is always one of the things. So I always suggest individuals have at hand a person they can turn to. In yes. case that does happen, it's a heavy, yeah. heavy, heavy topic, Joyce. Yeah, heavy. and it doesn't need to be your best friend. It needs to be something, someone who okay. has wisdom and advice. training to help you. Yeah, someone for sure. Who, 
Because our friends yeah. and family mean well a lot of the times, but there are times they themselves are overwhelmed by what we are experiencing. And yeah. so therefore what yeah. you're going to need is someone who can offer you the structured yeah. kind of assistance to help you move forward and move through into your yeah. phase of Belkis, I have to cut you off because we are at the end. I just, I hate to do this. This is so wonderful. I've enjoyed every minute of our time together today. I know that your message has brought some good thinking to people listening and perhaps wanting to know more. So I do hope, Bill, you'll get some calls and some opportunities to have some sessions with some. So thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you. So as we close, I want you to remember that one of the things that we can do this week is look at our life. I want you to listen to this program again and again. If you are in a situation where you're needing growth, you're needing out of pain, you're needing change, then please think of going to see BelkistClark.com. Thank you for me. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.